Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, everybody. Joe McCall with the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Um, and I've got a special guest. His name is Philip Marsh. He goes by Phil. His friends call him Phil, right? Either way, that's fine. <laughs> no big deal. Um, I'm excited about having Phil on this podcast. But first, let me tell you guys, uh, this podcast is being brought to you by Wholesaling Lease Options, my book. Discover the fastest and easiest way to make money in real estate today. We're not going to be talking about lease options on this call, but I just wanted to let you all know that this is a really good book. And if you want to learn how to flip lease options, they're one of the some of the easiest deals to do. Um, go get this book. It's like just free. You just pay shipping and handling. You can read it in a couple hours, but it's not well maybe three or four hours. It's not fluff, right? Because like you can see, there's a lot of words on each page, right? And so there's a lot of good information in this. You can't buy it on Amazon. If you want this book for free, just pay shipping and handling. Go to wlobook.com, wlobook.com and get it. The one you buy will not have a ring around the cover. This is where I had my coffee earlier. So, uh, but you get, a, get your own copy of this book. Go get it. It's really good. Check it out, wlobook.com. Phil, how you doing, Phil? Doing good, doing good. Bought a house today. You bought a house today. And by the way, he was a few minutes late to this. Well, I was too, but then he was late because guess what he's doing? He's on the phone with a banker doing some business. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So uh, I like Phil. He is a house buying machine and uh, he's in a little small town in Illinois. Not that little, but it's a small town compared to Chicago or St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember talking to Phil a few years ago, and he was like, does this really work in a small town? I don't know if I can do this in a small city. Should I be doing deals in these other bigger cities? And um, I had the privilege of working with Phil and coaching him a little bit. And um, so I'm excited to have him on this podcast because he's doing a lot of really cool things. He's doing some good deals. And um, so, Phil, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where do you live? Hey, I, li- I live in uh, Springfield, Illinois, the capital of Illinois. Uh, county is 200,000 people. So definitely a small uh, farm. But uh, And that was a little bit of a challenge to overcome that mindset of thinking, can I really be successful here? But yeah, uh, we're doing great things. I've been doing this since – well, I joined with you, Joe, I think in 16, April of 2016. Was it that long ago? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's been pretty wild. This is my fourth year. So, you know, I remember there were some speed bumps, but uh, you that's why I hired you, Joe. You helped me through a lot of that. There were, and it was amazing. It was really just like two events. I remember like two or three events where it was just, it was so simple what you did, but it just helped me so much. That's why it's uh, important. I owe you. Well, man, uh, you've been so much fun to work with because you're just a massive action taker. Uh, We're going to talk about exit strategy here because one of the things that I loved about Phil's story when he was telling us the other day, he went to one of our workshops or masterminds Yeah, uh, about a month ago. We have, we do small little masterminds with our private coaching clients and uh, we asked Phil to come and he just shared with us some things that's working. But one of the things I, I really appreciated about what he said and why I wanted to get him on the podcast is he really started breaking through and doing a lot of deals when he focused, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. We talk a little bit, Phil. Um, what were you doing before? Like, you know, you were trying to do all these different strategies and just kind of trying to be a jack of all trades, but master of none. Talk, tell us a little bit more what you were telling me about how you focused and that's when you really started changing for you. Yeah. For first year 16, I, I signed up with you in April. I had learned a little bit about wholesaling and I did, I think I did one deal before I signed up with you, just filming my way through. I did a few fix and flips. Uh, construction background, but anyway, I signed up with you and I had a job, I had a full-time job, signed up with you and I, I remember that. Feed. Uh, by the end of that year, I did 20 deals, you know, a couple fix and flips, like 16 wholesale deals. And I think two we kept for rentals just to try it out. I, I just wanted to try it. Uh, second year, still had the job, did another. What kind of, by the way, what kind of marketing were you doing back then? 
Uh, back then, I think you taught me to do the mail. I was doing mail. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, a couple referral deals, you know, you just kind of get your name out there and people start calling you. Um, second year, we did another 20 deals. I don't know how I did 20 two years in a row, but it just worked out that way. Bought three more rentals that year. So 20 of them, three of those were more rentals because it was the rental thing was working. Third year, I, I'll be honest, I got a little discouraged and just kind of shut the business down for whatever reason. I don't know. I still can't really explain why I did that. But then near the end of the year, I started missing it, realizing, wow, I got to get after it. So I finished the year strong, did about, I don't know, eight deals last year. But why, that, why were you getting discouraged? Well, you know, I, I'd have to think back about that. What, really, you know what? I do know why. Because we were talking about it earlier. I wasn't focused. That's right. I told you this at the moment of mine. You had me on the spot here. I was trying to remember what, what it was. I started chasing land is what it was. In, in uh, 18, I began the year thinking, man, this wholesaling thing and this real estate thing, it's just frustrating. I had all these frustrations. And really, this is for whoever's watching. The problem was, and it still is, is you get on Facebook and you start seeing all these guys showing big old checks, showing all their success. And you start saying, what's wrong with me? What, why I'm not doing that. Or, or even though you are, you know, I've had, I've had big deals. But you start seeing these guys online and you think, well, man, it looks like they're doing them every other weekend, you know? So you just get a little discouraged seeing all that these shiny objects. So I started chasing land, spent eight months tinkering around with land, still doing a few deals here and there, real estate, but I got distracted. And uh, that was part of the discouragement because all of a sudden what I ended up with was just a bunch of stuff that really wasn't working, you know? And uh, so I, I got... That's the thing, though... Uh, Land still works. I just want oh, to it does. That. Yes, it still works. But like, I think what your problem was, Phil, was you were chasing two different things at once. Like, what's yeah. the saying? If you're chasing two rabbits, you'll never catch. You won't catch any, or something. How does that go? Yeah, well, and I learned with the land. It was literally. It's a totally different business. The way I was wanting to do it, you know, I was wanting to do all the seller financing. All and it was just a lot to learn. So, honestly, I was only half in on both things at that point. Yeah. And I never even did a deal because I never really even tried. Um, it was just really what I was doing was I was avoiding the growing pains of building a real estate business. You know, I was avoiding the growing pains because I knew I needed to go to the next level. But the truth is, deep down, if I was honest, I was afraid. Yeah. You know, so you try, start looking for something easier. And uh, but I ended the year strong. I just finally got laser focused. Like I told you, at the mastermind, I just thought, you know what? What's working? What is working? What was working for me was finding deeply discounted properties and keeping them as rental properties. That's mm -hmm. what was working. Wholesaling, I did okay. But realist, you know, rental properties, fixing them up and renting them out, that was working for me. So I just went all in with that. And that's what we're doing. Okay. This year. And you're doing the Burr method, right? Yes. That's, what, that's my focus. Yeah. Yeah. So can you describe what that is? Well, everybody's probably heard it on Bigger Pockets. Basically, it's just... Well, like the perfect deal I did this year was a property. I bought it for $27,000. Um, the guy, basically, he just called and said, I'll, I'll sell it for what I owe on it. And uh, he sold to me for $27,000. And all in, I had about 42000 in it after repairs. And the appraisal came in at 82000 So the bank, I finally found a bank that'll base it on loan to value, which is They'll base it on the appraised value of the home. So after I fix it up, I just call my banker and I say, hey, can you go ahead and get the appraisal? That one appraised for 82000 So he'll do anywhere from 70 to 80% loan to value, depending on where it is. I think that one he did about 75. He would allow up to 75. So I pulled about 62000 out of that house is what I agreed to pull out. I didn't want to go overboard with it. I just felt like 62 was enough. And uh, so what's amazing, this is what's amazing, Joe, is I heard this on a podcast years ago. I heard this guy talking about wholesaling to himself. In other words, you get what he's saying? Yeah, so, yeah. so as long as my appraisal is high enough that I can pull out more than I had in it, in essence, I just wholesaled it to myself and made the spread. Yeah. So when I heard that, I just kind of tucked it away. And now I'm like, wow, I'm actually doing what that guy talked about. This is amazing. So, and I know you love lease options and maybe lease options is a similar strategy. You know, I know I, I've never done one. So just, okay. just to clarify though, the Burr method, that's where you yeah. find a deeply discounted property and you buy it. 
Yeah. Buy it. Yes. Then you renovate it. Yes. Then you refinance it. Yep. And then you read. Right. And then you repeat. Again. Yeah. Repeat. repeat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what Burr is supposed to stand for. Yeah. Did I miss an R? I don't know. I don't think so. Well, okay. Uh, buy. You, you rehab it. Yeah. Buy, rehab. Finance it. Well, rent. Money. You missed rent. You rent. I did. Yeah. I did. I missed it. Refinance it. Repeat. Yeah, so, yeah. okay. Let's try it again. Buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. Yes. Four R's. Now, it's a great strategy. So, you started doing that because your your big goal is to get cash flow, enough cash flow to replace your, to cover your expenses, right? Yes. And were you able to quit your job? Yeah, I quit my job in 2017, I think it was. A couple years I was ago. able to quit my job that year because of wholesaling and just okay. doing some flips and things. So I did end up quitting my job, but, uh, but we, but that's part of the attraction too, is my wife and I started a second business. I'm helping her with that. You know, there's just so many moving parts. Whereas this year it is just perfect focus clarity. I know what, and you helped me with that. You taught me freedom is more important than being a millionaire. Like for a long time, I'm like, man, I'm going to be the next millionaire wholesaler and blah, you know, I'm just chasing all these dollar signs. But at what point does it become greed? You know, what you taught me is freedom is much more important. Oh, yeah. Just get enough money to cover your expenses. And so the magic of what I have built, and it's, it's, it's still, I mean, it's kind of like I'm getting to the point now where I'm like, wow, this is working, you know. Whereas yeah. for a while, it was like, I hope this works. I hope this works. But I'm just buying them, getting them rehabbed, and I'm handing them over to a property manager. And as long as my property manager is doing his job, I just talk to him. And he handles all the management, all the headaches, everything. All I do is write checks and collect checks. When do you decide to wholesale a property or keep it for yourself? If it's, well, like I just picked up one, um, it's actually under contract right now. I thought it was going to be an amazing rental property. Property is worth about $150,000. I've got it under contract for $78,000. All it needs is flooring, paint, light fixtures, and there's a little bit of water in the crawl we got to deal with, but it just needs a sump pit, you know. Yeah. So no big deal. But at the HOA, there's an HOA. They won't let me rent it. So we'll just flip that one. We'll, we'll wholesale okay. it. Or what I'll probably do is I'll probably close it and put it on the MLS. Yeah. Just see what I can get out of it. So nice. that's, that's how I decide. If I can't rent it, basically I let my property manager decide. If he says it's in a good area, we can get good rents, he likes it, then I keep it as a rental. I love that. We had a, uh, when we were wholesaling a lot of properties to a cash buyer out in Idaho at one time, what we did is when we would, we were just wholesaling, we weren't keeping any of them for ourselves, but we would recommend to these buyers that were out of state, three different property managers that we knew and trusted. So they would pick the property manager was they could never come back to us and say, Hey, that property manager you gave me was bad. Yeah. Yeah. Three to choose from. Right. But it got to such, it got to a point where every single one of our best buyers, they're just like they 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 trusted and relied on the property manager to tell them yes or no. It's a good deal. We can find a tenant, and it's just wonderful when you got a property manager like that, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. And then Gavin at the mastermind encouraged me. He's he's and I put it on my dashboard. Yeah, I can't go to the property. That's my next goal is to get to the place where I have a contractor and a property manager who they go to the property and say, Phil, you don't want this one. Or Phil, this is a great one. Here's what it'll cost to fix it. And I don't even have to go there. That's possible. But until the mastermind, I didn't realize it could be that simple. I've already got the pieces in place. I just have to do it. You know what I mean? It's funny because Gavin doesn't know anything about rehabbing or construction. He's from England. He was a former golf professional. Like He has no idea how to fix a house up or like, so it's funny when he says, why would I go to the house? I would have no, I wouldn't have any idea what I'm looking at anyway. Like yeah, yeah. this kitchen, I don't know if it needs work or not. It'll hurt him when he's negotiating with the seller because he'll be too nervous because he doesn't know what stuff needs to be fixed or what doesn't. So anyway, yeah, that's, that's so important. You don't have to go see these houses. Yeah. I wanted to ask you. I I just never even dreamed that that could be possible until someone told me. You know, mm-hmm. but it makes sense because there's guys buying them in California all the time and they, they're not coming over here, you know, yeah. they're just trusting oh, yeah. 
eyes on the ground. So it's possible. That's what I'm going to get to. Cool. But, uh, but an, another tip for people, what I did to find a property manager was I just hired two. I just hired two. I gave a handful of properties. I already had five properties. So I gave two to one and three to the other. And I just compared them. And I just, it was pretty clear who the right one was after that. Cause I don't Even know. Even in a small town like Springfield, and the whole county has 200,000 people. Yeah. Able to find good property management. Yeah, they're, uh, I mean, I've, I've used two. And even the second one's not bad. It's just the other one's better. Okay. But, um, cool. I mean, you just, what I, I just have a strategy when I'm looking for something, when I'm looking for a new professional to work with, I just call a list of them. I just have, I mean, from the days when I signed up with you to get help with wholesaling, I just was taught massive action. So if you need to find a contractor, call 50 contractors. You'll 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 kind of get a feel for some, that some of them. You know, you'll just kind of click with a few of them and then go with them. Get some bids, or with a property manager. You know, you're going to know right off the bat. Yeah, this ain't the right one. You just keep calling them until you find that one you just kind of click with. And um, okay, good. So that's how we're doing it. All right. I wanted to ask you about the money, the money part of it. Yeah. Um, how did you go about finding? Do you get most? Do you use private money, hard money? To go to the bank, get a line of credit. What do, what did you do there? Well, for those watching that are probably just starting out, I what I did at first was wholesaling. You know, I had I was stacking up cash in the bank account because I'm doing wholesaling deals, and and in my market, houses are cheap. You know, you can buy a house for fifty grand on the high side for a rental. So what I did is I had some cash in the bank, and the banker just said I needed twenty percent. I did, I found one I wanted to keep, and I called the bank and I said, "How do I buy this as a rental?" And he said, "You need twenty percent down." So it was like. It was like a $25,000 property, you know, it was a wholesale deal. So I put 5,000 down on it. I mean, if you're wholesaling, 5,000 is not very hard to come up with, you know? So I just put the 5,000 down and I bought two properties that first year. And to my surprise, a year goes by and I got 10 grand sitting in the bank, you know, it's just, everything went so good. I'm like, wow, this works. What if I had, what if I had 25 of these? So that's how I got started. But now, uh, you know, once you get some properties, you have some equity in them. Because that's what's, I want to make sure I stress this point. Wholesaling is the art of finding deeply discounted properties. So I'm buying properties with equity already there. You know what I mean? They're such good deals. So then I can go to the bank and say, hey, I got equity. I want to convert this to cash, which they just give you a line of credit. And so when when it's got a lot of equity, that's pretty easy to do, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh it's, yeah, it's a piece of cake. And they'll, a lot of them will loan up to some will loan up to ninety percent of the value. It's so uh, funny too. I've seen this with my own um, in my own business and in a lot of other students' business. Like the banks are like, "What? How did you get that deal? Like I didn't oh, think yeah. that was possible." Yeah, they think it's it's got to be a piece of junk. That's what they or think, they, or they think it's a scam. It's yeah, a piece of junk, or they think it's a scam. They think something's fishy. Yeah, one of my favorite deals last year was uh, this lady called, she was a tired landlord. Tenants were just not paying the rent and she was too tired to even enforce any rules. She just literally walked away and put her hands up, you know? Yeah. And uh, she called me. It was it was on the line of a rough area, but not a bad street. Property's worth about 30,000 as a duplex though. Brings in a thousand dollars in rent. And uh, I offered her like, on the phone, she was willing to come down to 10,000, okay? So it's a deal already. And I get out there. We can't get in the property though. So I said, I'm sorry, 5,000. I, I mean, I can't even see inside. I, I'm sorry. 5,000 is the best I can do. You know, and I never dreamed she'd take it. And three days later, she said, let's do it. So we, <laughs> I we, love it. we get into the property and the only thing wrong with it is carpets missing in the front room. That's it. And, uh, and the property manager took over and he got them paying. So they're paying. We didn't even have to get new tenants. And, uh, you know, that's one of the best deals of last year, but that's what's possible. You're so talking about a property that's got $25,000 in equity just by signing some papers and bringing a check for five grand, you know? And just making an offer. Yeah. Exchanging um, speed and convenience for price, yes. right? Yeah. So telling the seller, if you want the speed and convenience to get this big pain in the butt uh, yeah. away from you or this, this giant monkey off your back, here's my price. And you yeah. won, she won. Everybody wins. Yeah. And I tell every seller, it's part, it's every seller, you could make more money using a realtor. 
why don't you call a realtor? Yeah. I don't want to. I just want to sell it. I don't, I don't want to put up with that. You know, whatever, you know what their excuse is, whatever. Well, that, that, that's such a, I hope everybody listening to this is paying attention to that. Because some people have this, this mental uh, blockage of like, I can't offer a seller that little. That's taking advantage of them. That's wrong, right? No, not if you do it right. I mean, it can be if you're, if you're intentionally lying to the seller. If you know the house is worth 150 and you're telling them it's worth 100. But when you come to them as somebody who's motivated, who's got a problem, who doesn't care, and you just say, listen, you should list this with a realtor. You should fix it up, list it with an agent, and sell it because you'll make more money that way. And almost every time you say that, if they're motivated, they're going to be like, no, I can't. But if they say, yeah, you know what? That's a good idea. I should do that. Then that's good because you, don't, you wouldn't want to get that property under contract. They're probably going to say no to your offer anyway. So it's pulling away. It's a great negotiating tactic, number one. And it's the ethical right thing to do. Yeah, yeah. It builds trust. It does. Because they're like, this guy just told me a better option. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, how could I be? And I'm, I'm not trying to rip them off. I want to be their last option. Yeah. I do. Because I, I, I really, I probably am if they're using me. Well, you're also telling them like, you know what, I'm, if they're, and, and this is one of the cool things about being in a small market is you don't have a ton of competition on these deals. Mm-hmm. You got a little bit, but not as much as like the big city, right? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you can come to these sellers and tell them, listen, I am not going to be your highest and best offer. I, I do it probably all. find, yeah, you can probably find people that will buy it for more than what I will. Mm-hmm. But I can promise you this, I'm going to close when I say I'm going to close. And the cool thing about your positioning too is like, hey, I'm the one actually buying this thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, we could go, we could talk forever on negotiating. I've I've learned a lot. There's just yeah. some. I mean, I've just learned to just be because to- you're right. At the beginning, I was so scared to be open with what my intentions were, or or I or just to make a low offer. I mean, you, I literally would think someone was going to slug me in the face, you know. But you just learn to very softly present it, you know. Yeah. And. Uh, Cause it's just the truth. That's what I can pay, but they don't have to sell it for that price. Yeah. So what, what harm is there? You know, it's just, people don't understand the motivation of sellers. You know, it's like that guy who spends a thousand bucks to buy a treadmill, right? Mm-hmm. Never uses it. It just sits and collect dust and collects laundry. Right. And every time he walks by that thing, it reminds him of how fat he is. And his wife gets mad at him for, for just sitting there, not using it. And they finally just put it in the garage sale and sell it for 25 bucks. Like the thing works, but they don't care. It's that pain. Like, got to get rid of this thing. Just take it. And there are sellers out there. There are, they're, they're very, they're very much out there. Right. Yeah. Real estate, it's all emotional. Yeah. Even for me, I don't know what I can pay for a property. <laughs> I just do what feels right. You know? Yeah. Good. Cause you, you offered, you offered 10,000 and they counter at 15. And even I'm like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I, it's all emotional. Yeah. So um, I want to, I want to ask you um, how many doors do you have now? Uh, I, I actually added up last night. I think we're up to you. Oh, I keep stepping on my cord. I think we're up to 32 units nice. right now, but I got a couple that I've bought that I'm not sure I'm going to keep, you know, Again, that's the power of wholesaling. You find a deeply discounted property, you got options. You I don't have multiple exit strategies. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. All right, now, um, all right, what's your goal? Is, it, is your goal to pay them off as quickly as possible or to just get as many as you can, keep on refinancing? What's your goal? Yeah, my original goal was 25 units. I've exceeded that. So what I, I mean, I pretty much exceeded that beginning of the year. So I just set a goal to 25 properties, Okay whether they're, you know, duplexes, eight units, six units. Like we got an eight unit under contract right now. Um, you know, that's going to bump me up pretty fast. So, you know, 25 properties. And then, like I told you at the mastermind, I'm just going to kind of take a reassess everything and maybe I'll go back to land. You know, I, I, I don't know what I'll do, but, but it's like um, get a system working, just keep yeah. doing it. So you're, you're financing these all with a bank. No, no. I have a, well, we have lines of credit that we've used because the equity in the properties. So that, that's kind of, that, that's how I got started. Then I, um, last, end of last year, I found a private money guy. Ah, cool. So that changed everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's literally like, Hey, I'm buying another one. Okay. Where do you want me to wire the money? 
here you go. And it just, it's just amazing. Do you mind sharing what you pay them? I pay them 5%, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Any points? No. How'd you find uh, this guy? Uh, yeah. But, it, but it's limited. You know, we're not talking a million. You know, it's a couple hundred yeah, thousand. Yeah. But in my market, that goes a long way. So, you know, I can buy potentially four to five houses if I'm getting them at wholesale prices. Yeah. So then I have strategies. You know, I, I, my biggest deal I ever did that I guess you could call it a wholesale deal. It was the beginning of this year. We paid 15 for a property and I bought it, closed on it, just put it on Zillow. And uh, I set it out there at like 38 just to see, I didn't know what to set it at. It was a, it was a pretty rough property. It ended up selling for 61.5. So <laughs> let's see if I had just done wholesaling, you know, I, I called a contractor buddy of mine and a few buyers that I knew and they offered me like 20, 25,000. You know, if I had wholesaled it the conventional way, I'd have made 10,000. Yeah. So I'm learning, you know, there's a lot. So did you put it on Zillow as a for sale by owner? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I, that one was kind of a unique property though. I, I just kind of tried something new. I set it at a, what I thought was a, cause I was getting some activity around, you know, it's a long story, but right before I closed on it, I had somebody come in and kind of act like they'd pay me 40 for it, but I didn't know for sure. So I thought, well, I'll just put it out there at 38 on Zillow and see what happens. And it went bonkers. I mean, my phone about melted. So that we, we uh, agreed to a price the next day and sold it. So that was pretty sweet. So I'm, I'm just learning. There's power in this, but it all starts with that first deal and just build from there. And you can't get to the first deal if you're not talking to sellers. Yep. And it's about making smart offers, right? Have yeah. you ever made an offer and you couldn't sell it? You had to back out? Oh, yeah, yeah. Appreciate I, did, I think I just had one two weeks ago. What's that? When you first did that, what's, wh wh how did you handle that? Because it's nerve wracking and a lot of people are afraid of that. Yeah, I don't remember the first one, but I know I'm nervous every time. But what I've learned to do is set that expectation up front. In other words, again, just being open and honest. Because um, it's like we're so afraid to say too much that we're going to kill a deal. But the truth is, if they're motivated... They're, most of the time, they're, they're probably not even listening, really. But, but I always make sure I'm very clear. I say, listen, this, con this contract, this agreement, I, say, I call it an agreement, whatever. But uh, I just say it has a, one contingency. I have an inspection period. If I find anything I don't like, I may back out. Do you understand that, Mr. Seller? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I understand. No big deal. So then when I go to cancel, if I have to, you know, they, they knew that was possible. Yeah. Very good. So, you know, no fear. One of the things I like to hide do is, it, you assume they might get mad, you know, which they probably will if you're telling them you're going to buy it yeah. and you don't. Yeah, you got to be clear. You, you need to be a truth giver and a truth seeker. Um, yeah. I heard that from, I think, Todd Toback or Tom Kroll, one of those. Yep, guys. yep, yep. But uh, you always got to tell the truth and you got to seek the truth from them as well. That's what that relates back to what we were saying in regards to you should probably list it with a realtor. So that's important to say that stuff, right? And, and if you want some more R's, I have three more R's for you. When you're renegotiating, I like to blame it on the numbers. And that way it takes, it just makes you feel a little more comfortable. About it. You blame it on the rents. The rent's not as high as I thought they would be. The repairs, there was more repairs than I thought they would be. The repairs would cost more. Or the resale value. It's not worth as much as I thought it would be, right? Blame it on the numbers. Blame it on one of the three R's. And honestly, within, in truth, right? Mm -hmm. um, so let's talk real quick. I mean, you're in small town, America, in the middle of, it's not nowhere, Illinois. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of places in Illinois and Missouri where there's nothing, but you're in Springfield. It's a good, yep. you know, small little town. Um, you know, how people either are worried about there's too much competition in my market or my market is too small. I can't do deals here. It's always one or the other. What, what's it like for you? Like you're in a small town, you're, you're doing direct mail. Is that right? Uh, we, yeah, we, we direct mail. We send direct mail to niche lists, like driving for dollars, uh, inheritance lists, probate, and we scrape those ourselves. Then I, we're actually doing text marketing on the okay. big list. Um, but for a long time, I was doing mail. And uh, we did some signs, but I got away from that. I, I discovered it's Seems to be somewhat illegal in my area. I'm not really sure. So I'd, I'd rather be above the board okay. than uh, take a chance with that. But it all works. You just have to pick one channel and go all in. Why? 
uh, why did you stop doing direct mail or like to the bigger lists? I mean, well, I don't know. Probably. I just felt like I was spending a lot of money and I, it was fear. I mean, I'll be honest. I just felt like I was spending more money than I was getting a return on. But the problem, this is me being really honest. I just, I wasn't consistent enough with it because uh-huh. it kind of builds on itself. Yeah. And you know, you start spending the money and you just start getting nervous. And then when I discovered the texting thing, I thought, well, man, that, that looks interesting. And I tried it and it's working great for us. Nice. But it all but, works. The mail works too. Yeah. What tool are you using for the texting? Uh, Lead Sherpa. Lead Sherpa. Yeah. Yep, yep. We, I did an interview with Jason on my Facebook page or a podcast. I might've done it as a podcast. Mm-hmm. If you're interested in that interview, guys, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com, realestateinvestingmastery.com and do a search for Jason or a search for Sherpa in the search bar. And you'll see an interview I did with him talking about Lead Sherpa. Cool. So I wanted to ask you, can you talk a little bit about your strategy for making offers? How do you make offers, Phil? Well, um, I try to make, I'm trying to make more offers on the phone now. Cause I just, I get tired of going to properties. I'm, I'm getting kind of, I said lazy at the mastermind, you said smart. So I, we'll stick with smart, but uh, you just get tired of wasting your time. So making offers, I, well, you got me thinking now, I just kind of go through my little script. It's in my head now. And you just try to get them to give their price. You know, what's the property worth? And they tell you, and, uh, and then you just ask them if you offer, you paid cash and closed quickly, what's the best you could do? And they always give you a number. And then if I really, if it's not a number that sounds motivated, where I, where I like, yeah, I don't think I really want to go out to look at that one. We always mail them an offer. So what I do is I have my virtual assistant run a, just get on Zillow and look for the three lowest comps, do an average at 80% or whatever. And then we just mail the offer. So pretty simple. And then if, but I, I typically don't make offers. I'll make an offer on the phone, like a, so, a soft pass. If I'm having a hard time getting the, if I feel like they're hiding something from me and I, a line I've used, I don't know where I came up with this, but it works for me. I, I do it in person on the phone, wherever. I'll just say the last time I bought a house in that area, we paid around and then I'll just go low, you know, cause I've got enough track record that I, it, that is an honest statement. You know, we bought houses cheap in that area. So, uh, and then that kind of just, you kind of see how they react to it. You know, if they, oh, no way, there's no way. Well, then, you know, we're not very close, mm-hmm. but if they're chewing on it and kind of thinking about it, you're like, Ooh, wow, we're in the ballpark. You know, you just kind of get a feel for it. Yeah. And then if I think we're in the ballpark, I'll go meet them. How do you come up with that number though? Is it just, do you look at sold comps, active comps? Well, see, I'd love to give somebody a little perfect instructional formula. But I, I just know my territory. Yeah. So I just go low. And it's like, I think I heard Todd Toback say it. He said, if your gut's not churning when you're making your offer, you're too high. Because it has to be low. I mean, especially in my market, I almost have to ask, for basically offer, you know, give me the house is what I'm saying, you know, because they're just so cheap here. Yeah, that's a, that's a great thing about small towns too. Yeah. You can... you houses values are so much cheaper there you can buy them a ton cheaper and uh, the rents are still strong in those small towns so usually uh, what i know is i know i know how much i can pay but but i also want to see you know i don't want to give the first offer you want to see what they're thinking first because yeah. i've had some sellers surprise me and want less than i would have even paid for it mm-hmm. which is a win you know they're happy i'm happy nice okay um I talked about that, 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 and that. How much do you pay your property manager? Uh, I'm paying him. I think I think he charges 8%. 8%. It's a, the, I, I understand the average is like 10%, so I'm getting a pretty yeah. good rate. Mm-hmm. And he's great. He's a great guy. Good. How will a recession affect your exit strategy? If we yeah, to- I've thought about that. I mean, in my, I mean, I remember 2008 or 9 or whatever it was. I just remember there were a bunch of foreclosures, but I didn't notice any rental properties on the foreclosure market. Cause back then I was always looking for, I was always looking for, I was a hobbyist fix and flipper. So I always had realtors out looking for opportunities and there were a ton of just, you know, nicer homes on the market, you know, those McMansions and things like that. A lot of home builders going broke, but I don't remember any uh, landlords going broke. Yeah. And the reason why is cause our market is pretty stable. I mean, it, Price. There were landlords going broke, 
but they were over leveraged. They were buying based on appreciation. But if the yeah. fundamentals are there, which obviously when you're buying them that cheap, they are. And the fundamentals are there. It's like recession, bring it on. Because that usually yeah. means there's more people going into the market to rent. People always need a house over their heads. And yeah. You're going to see maybe probably see rents increase during a recession. Yeah, I don't, I'm not, I'm not worried about it. I mean, I've never had anybody, I guess, I, I guess I'm hesitant to say because I've never really had someone that I trust that's, you know, tested my system or looked over everything, but I feel like I'm safe. I mean, I'm buying them at 50%, you know, 50 cents on the dollar. Yeah. And I know guys that are paying 80 cents on the dollar. So yeah, I would assume I'm going to be okay. You are Phil. Yeah. I remember telling you, you were going to be okay early on. And that was so cool. You sent me a, a message. You forwarded me a message I sent to you. Yeah. Years ago. And, um, yeah, let's talk, let's talk about my, uh, you wanted to talk about, uh, the way I have my, my virtual assistant set up my, my oh, work. Yes, that's right. I forgot. So let's talk about that. Yeah, that'll help somebody. Oh, this is good. Um, this is yeah. juicy. This was the best part. And <laughs> go ahead, Phil. Because you your virtual assistant. Well, because again, with just extreme focus, I, I just yes. learned that I, there's a motto I live by. I live by this. I hope to write a book someday. I don't know if I have what it takes to write a book, but I am the problem. I just repeat that to myself all the time. I am the problem. So the quicker all of you listening come to that conclusion, it, it will help you so much. Quit blaming your wife, quit blaming your kids, quit blaming God, quit blaming the, your market, quit blaming whatever. You know what I mean? The government. Yeah. It's me. I am the problem. So whenever I started realizing that, and I still have to realize it every day, I have to remind myself that I'm avoiding what I need to be doing. And that's talking to sellers, talking to buyers if you're looking to sell. So anyway, so I just try to set up a simple system where I have a virtual assistant. She keeps me off my computer. If it can be done on a computer, she's doing it. She Every morning, she starts about 8.30. She starts preparing my task for the day, all of my follow-ups, all the new leads. She's listening to voicemails. She's checking the text messages, just anything that she can do from her computer. And she's preparing my task list for the day. She sends me all the people I need to talk to one at a time through Voxer. And I wish I could show you what she sends me. I might be able to on my camera, but anyway, but she just sends me this, anything that she can get off her computer, the Zillow link, the, the parcel link to the County shows like tax information, just anything at a fingertip that I can just click. If while I'm talking to the seller, I want to know what the taxes are. Or I want to know what the fair market value is, or I want to know what the Zillow is, you know, on it, the Zestimate. So it's all right there. The phone number is there. I click the phone number. So here, let me give you my little workflow. She sends over a new lead. She even, she came up with this. New leads have little sparkle emojis above it. Okay. So I know, wow, that's a new one. I better get after that. Follow up is little arrows in a circle, like a circle emoji. I don't know. And then uh, the hot ones that we want to stay on top of has, she has flames. Okay. So every morning I wake up, I just, at nine o'clock, I start get on my phone. I click the phone number, make the phone call. If they don't answer, I hang up, send a text message to them. I was calling about the house because I've learned people ignore voicemails today. They just do. So I send a little text and I message her. They didn't answer follow up tomorrow or whenever. I don't care. You know, it just depends on how many times I've tried to call them, but she handles all of that in, in Podio. You understand? Yeah, yeah. She's setting the little task. She, that's stuff I'm horrible at. If I was the one doing it, it would never get done ever. I hate being in Podio. So I just message her and I immediately go to the next one. And I mean, you can imagine how quick this is, especially if people aren't answering. I'll go through 20 follow-ups in 10 minutes if they're not answering. Yeah. But if they answer, I just talk to them, have conversations and make notes. And I message her back. Hey, seller, uh, they're not ready to sell. They might be ready to sell in two months. Uh, just market for follow-up in one month, just because I, I don't want to take any chances. You know, just in case they're a little more motivated than they were sharing. I don't want to miss an opportunity. You know, you see what I'm saying there? Oh, yeah. Because they'll say six months, but I don't want them to sell to somebody else in three. Exactly. So I'll just tell her when to tell me to follow up. And then I'm not trying to keep track of it all in my head. 
on paper. It's just out of sight, out of mind. I know she's got it taken care of. And then to cover the bases, we'll, we'll just send out a uh, voicemail blast every quarter or so to the whole database, just in case she missed something or forgot to check something or, you know, because yeah. the numbers are automatically imported through CallRail when people call in. So that's my simple system. It's just simple. Oh, and then I tell her. Like, this, is, this is so good, guys, because uh, another mutual friend of ours, Tom Kroll said, you show me an expert in Podio and I'll show you a broke wholesaler, right? Yes. So true. Um, oh, now I'm in focus. Okay, good. But um, you got to step away from the computer, right? You yeah. should not be the CRM expert, whether you're using FreedomSoft, REI Simple, Podio, whatever. You cannot be the CRM expert. You need to get a virtual assistant to do it for you. You take the calls, chicken scratch your notes on a piece of paper, and then Voxer or voice message the, the details back to the VA. Mm-hmm. The VA update the, the CRM for you. Put the notes in there. Do the follow-up. Relert you with the next thing you got to do. Yes. That is so, so critical and important. I love that. What a great idea. Yeah, and I'll show you this. I'll show everybody what I do. But it, it just works. Because my goal is, and you, you helped me with this, Joe. Mm-hmm. Like when you sent me that podcast, uh, I think it was David Hodges, I think it was, when he just said, if you're not talking to buyers and sellers, everything else is just stupid. You know, uh, Greg probably Ray- dropped a few cuss words. I don't remember. He did. But uh, Such a good it, podcast. If you're not talking to sellers and buyers, everything else is just stupid. Yeah, the truth is because we're afraid. I am the oh. problem. I'm avoiding what I know I need to be doing. So I've just tried to create a system that allows me to do what's important as fast as possible. So honestly, I can just get it over with yeah. and move on to the next thing, you know? And, uh, but here's, here's what it looks like. This is what she sends me. I, don't know oh, I see some emojis there. Yeah. That's a hot lead. Nice. I covered up some of the importance of, I want you stealing it from me, but uh, that's just, it's that simple. So, and she even keeps track of each conversation. I always, t- and I train her as we go. Again, that's the thing with the, with the virtual assistants. I mean, she didn't know squat when I first hired her, but I just trained her as we, we built the system together. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I didn't come up with the system day one. I just told her the end goal in mind. I said, help me get there. Yeah. And she's a very smart, capable lady and she does great. And she helped me build the system. So it, it works. That's how we do it. So every day she's cre- her, her goal every day. I've told her, I said, I want you to help me to help me create five new leads a day. So like with the texting, she's just texting whatever it takes to produce yeah. five new leads. And, uh, and we, you know, three to five is usually what we get a day and I'm not doing any of that. And then after the mastermind, I left with this nugget, this really changed everything. I don't remember who even said this, but I went home and implemented. I said, I said, Hey, when, why can't you start doing some of the follow-up? Because there were so many follow-up calls. It was just, all I was doing was just reaching out and touching them. You know, it was just, you know, those people that they're not even ready to sell, but you just want to stay on their mind. Well, she just goes on the call rail now and she just sends them a text through call rail, just saying yeah. what I would have said anyway. You know, I mean, it's just amazing. She does the follow-up. She's just doing the task for me. Nice. And it's simple. She just says, hey, it's... Phil, it's calling about the house, you know, just, Hey, it's me. Let me know when you're ready. And uh, so that, that freed up, man, that freed up probably an hour a day just doing that. Phil, this has been one of the best podcasts I've done in a long time. I cool. We just uh, got a question real quick. One more question. Then we got to go. Cause I know I, you've gone over the time that I promised you and I appreciate your time. Um, how did you find your VA and how long did it take you to train her? Okay, I love this topic because, I, man, I, it works so good. And it was because of fear that I didn't do this the first time. I, and I don't, our fears are so stupid. You know what I mean? It's like we, yeah. we just hallucinate these things that just are not true. Or we just don't want to be inconvenienced. But what I did, I just finally did it. I, I created three ads in Upwork, okay? Three ads. And I think I took the template from you, Joe. Or it was either you or Todd Toback or somebody. I just took someone else's ad and I just copy pasted it into three different ads on Upwork. And I just changed the headline. One of them I said, 
looking for extremely organized assistant. And the other one just said looking for an assistant. And you know, you just make it up. It doesn't matter. And each one of those had about five applicants. And I just, and I had a task in my ad. Okay. You know, you know, I think Todd teaches that you teach it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, you know, at, in your application, put, I'm a rock star at the end, you know, or whatever it was. And that weeds out a bunch of them. So yeah. each one, I had one or two applicants that met all my criteria of the application. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, so that, then I just talked to those people. I just got on the phone with them. I interviewed them and I hired three people. I hired one from each um, ad. Hopefully everybody's following this. Oh, I hired good. one. I hired them. Okay. I gave them a simple task. I said, go scrape tax delinquents. Give me a spreadsheet of 50 tax delinquents. And I gave all three of those the same task. And then I reviewed the results. And it was so clear who the right one was after that. Really? clear. The one that I interviewed that I thought was the best one, she ended up being the worst when it came to the task. It looked the worst. It was the sloppiest. She was the slowest. You see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I know. uh, And the one that I thought was least likely to get the job she was the one that her results of her task were amazing, nice. organized, on time. Everything was correct. All the data. She didn't, she asked questions. You know, that's important. Yeah. I get nervous when they're not asking questions. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because sometimes I'll think about, you know, they need to have real estate experience. In the no, year. no, no. Yeah. Somebody just asked that. I just wanted somebody that was reasonably priced Yeah. in that was just smart now because I mean how hard is this business Joe I mean get on the tax site and scrape names I mean that I mean my child could do that if they were patient enough <laughs> but it's not hard it's just finding the right person for the job nice she I'm telling you she's amazing I I don't it's like you always want to say you got lucky but I think I just did it right you absolutely did it right and you're also continuing to do it right because you're communicating with her every single day. Yeah. You're not the only, reason I, only reason I wouldn't have done it that way before is I was just lazy. I mean, let's just be honest. I just was either lazy or afraid or whatever it was because I didn't want to sit down and take the time to create three ads on Upwork. Yeah. But that's what it takes. So if you want it bad enough, you'll do it. Excellent. Excellent. Phil, thank you so much, man. This has been an awesome pleasure interviewing you, talking about, I don't know, I hope you guys saw the huge gold nuggets that Phil just laid down for you. And um, hey, Phil, thank you so much. Any final words you want to say here before we we end? Well, I just, just get off the couch, quit watching YouTube, quit listening to, you know, basically, if you're going to listen to a podcast, whatever they tell you to do. Like I just gave you a lot of action steps. Just get off the couch, go start driving around. Driving for dollars works. Like that's one of our best lists. And it's so stupid, simple now with all these apps out there. Are you doing the driving yourself? Yeah. Just cause I enjoy it. I I really do just kind of enjoy it. And so it'll get to a point. I think I've driven my whole city already. So I'll get to a point where, you know, I'll, I'll hire somebody but what I love about it is I, I enjoy it, and I'm also learning my market. I mean, even though I live here, there's some streets I've never been down. So now when a seller calls in and says, I, you know, the house on such and such street, I'm like, oh, I've been down that street. I remember yeah. that street. So it's kind of cool. It's a way to do market research and find prospects. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's just get out there and do it. And there's something I learned. I mean, I don't know if you even if you taught me this, Joe, but when I first signed up with you, I mean, ev- from that day on, if I see a for sale by owner sign, I call it. I don't even think about it. I just dial. If I see a for rent sign, I just call it because you just never know. There's a buyer for sure, or there might be someone who wants to sell because their tenant just moved out and trashed the place. Nice. And I've bought them doing that. I've found deals doing that. So it's just a matter of uh, just realizing I'm the problem and just get out of the way. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's quite the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Of um, Oh, I can't think of the word. Like you say things to build yourself up. Affirmation. That's quite the yeah. positive affirmation. There. <laughs> but it's good. It's honest. No, it just works for me. Because, yeah. you know, you've had, you've, had, you've had it, Joe, where people come up and they, they're griping about their, you know, let's just be honest. They're griping about their spouse or they're griping about whatever. And, you know, and the truth is, it's like, dude, 
just quit blaming everybody else. You know, you're the one with issues. Yeah. And we're all guilty. Good. So hey, thank you, Phil. Hey, if somebody wants to reach out to you and contact you, is do you have a Facebook page or uh, are you on Instagram? Yeah, you, I'm on Facebook. Uh, you can message me on Facebook or whatever. People reach out to me from time to time. That's fine. I love to help. Anything I can do. Nice. Hey, let me just give one more plug for my book, WLObook.com. If you'd like to work with me one-on-one as well, um, just go to CoachJoe.net. It explains a little bit about what we do. CoachJoe.net. All right. Thanks again, Phil. This has been such a good podcast. I really appreciate you very much. Yeah, anytime. Look forward to hanging out again soon. We'll keep in touch. Yeah, I'll be there. If you call me, I'll be there. All right. See you guys. Thanks again. We'll see see you later.